Well, good morning, church, my brothers and sisters. It is good to be together with you this morning. Um, I'm Caleb, one of the pastors here, and uh, today I have the privilege of walking you through another one of our one another's in our series that looks at all the passages that talk about one another, how we are to relate to one another in Scripture is, is kind of um, has been laid out for us. So before we start there, though, I'm just going to take a moment and, and pray. Lord, we, we thank you for you are good. Oh, God, that we can come together and sing of your glory and greatness, your faithfulness and love. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here or watching online. God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead and guide us. That you'd open our hearts and our minds to understand your truth and what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, you can turn to James, the book of James, chapter 5. If you have a Bible or an app, you can, you can go there. Uh, this morning, we are going to be looking at James 5, 16 um, as, our, as our one another. So what a lot of what I am saying this morning is kind of what we teach at our Set Free Retreat. So if you have been to Set Free before, this is going to sound kind of familiar. If you have never been to Set Free before, this is going to give you a little taste of, of what uh, a small part of what we talk about. Anyways, James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. This one's a little bit more hefty than some of the other one another's that we've looked at. You know, like love one another and, you know, accept one another and whatnot. This is confess your sins to one another. If you are curious, the pray for one another part, we'll be preaching that in another uh, sermon in a few weeks from now. But we're looking this morning specifically at the confess your sins to one another. So this is the reality of life in a broken, sinful world is that we still sin after salvation. After coming to Jesus, after acknowledging him and recognizing his death and resurrection on our behalf, we still sin. Now, I have heard some people say that, well, you know, I confessed when I came to Jesus back in the day, so I don't need to do that again. But that's not what Scripture actually teaches us. Because... When we live in this sinful, broken world and we are in sinful, broken bodies, flesh, we still sin. And we still f have to wait for the day when Jesus returns and gives us a new, perfect body and a new, brand new, perfect world to live on that's not going to have any sin. I mean, I'm looking forward to that day. But for now, here in these bodies, we sin in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. Just a few quick examples of how the Bible actually says after you come to Christ. This is still a reality of, of what we're looking at. In the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ that we just shortened to call Revelation, um, Jesus writes seven letters to the churches. So this is, you could call these kind of like report cards almost, like because Jesus kind of like walks around amongst them and he's like, hey, here, this is, this is what I want to talk to you about. So it's interesting when we look at these letters, this is, he's writing these to churches, okay, to Christians, to people he, who believe. 
He, he writes them in Revelation 2, 4. He's like, but this I hold against you to the church in Ephesus. You have forsaken your first love. Revelation 3, uh, 1, 1 and 2, to the angel of the church of Sardis, this is what he writes. I know your deeds. You have a rep- reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. And so he warns them. Because of this, because of this reality, of there's still issues. Revelation 2.5, he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. He says this to the church at Sardis as well. In verse 3, 3 of Revelation. Remember then what you received and you had heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you do not know at what hour I will come against you. You know, he warned five out of the seven churches to repent. This is, there was still stuff that they need to deal with. Ongoing. I mean, when we think about it, even the Lord's Prayer that we find in Luke Uh, 11 verses 4, we pray, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. This is like daily, moment by moment, as we are going about in this life. This is how it's supposed to be happening, this confessional life. Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. I mean, we, we read this at communion all the time. Therefore, whoever drinks or eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. This is something that is still in our lives. Hebrews 4.12. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, again, he's writing these to believers, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that entangles us and let us run this race with endurance. Over and over and over again, we see this. In 1 John, I love it, it's just direct. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. This is something that is happening in our lives. I think we can agree. <laughs> Scripture affirms it. That there is still sin in our lives. But I mean, we praise the Lord that his grace covers our sin, right? I mean, Paul even says that in Romans. He's like, so what do we do? Because grace covers it. We just keep on sinning more and more. Let's just make grace go crazy. He's like, no, that is not what we do. We have a response But if we confess our sins, he is faithful. God is faithful. And he will forgive us. So this this forgiveness um, for believers is not the forgiveness of salvation. What we're talking about here is a difference between relational and judicial forgiveness. Now, I'll I'll try to explain it like like this. People have used the analogy of, of being married. So I'm married to my wife, Bobby, yes. And what would happen if all of a sudden uh, I just kind of start to ignore her? Get a little snarky, come home from work, and I'm like, 
why is supper not on the table yet? Come on. You know, um, just taking her for granted, you know, probably forgetting about all the anniversaries and birthdays and, and whatnot. Would I still be married? Yes. Would it be a good marriage and a good relationship? Would there be good communication between us? No. Not at all. That's what we're talking about in our relationship with God. Are we still his children? Yes. But in relational forgiveness, we're talking about being in harmony with God. In right relationship with him. I think about it like this, Galatians 5. It talks about if you keep in step with the spirit, you will not gratify desires of the flesh. So this, this makes me think about, okay, keeping in step with the Spirit. This is, you know, I, I think of marching whenever I think about this. You know, you're marching in step with the Spirit. I mean, I've never had to march in a group. I don't know, maybe somebody does. They can tell me about it after the service. But, like, I don't think it would be very hard for me to get out of step in, in marching. And this is what happens when there's sin in our lives. We get out of step. And to get back in step, we confess. And we repent of that. Also, also, you could think of it like this. Where, you know, if, if you just took a bath or a shower and then you went and you walked around on a beach for 20 minutes and then came off the beach, do you need to take another shower? Well, no, but your feet are dirty now. So you need to wash your feet. And that's why they got those awesome little taps on the beach. You just like, do-do-do, wash your feet off. Because that's what happens when we walk around in a sinful, broken world. Is that our feet get dirty. There's sin that comes and we need to deal with it and confess. And I, would, and I would say this needs to be a daily thing. I think we've lost that in the church. Daily continual confession in relationship with God. Where it's like, oh, okay, you know, I'll wait, you know, a good three, four months. Okay, now I'm going to confess God. It's like, oh, okay, good, now we're all good. And then we wait and it kind of builds up and it builds up. And it's like, oh, it's overwhelming. And then we confess. It's like, this is a daily continual thing. I mean, not, not every single night, but in our house, often what we do when we put our kids to bed, as we're putting them to bed, it's just we ask the question, hey, is there anything you need to confess today? I mean, that goes for us as well. Because <laughs> there's some times where my response to my children was less than God-honoring. And I need to confess that. And we do that together. And it's not a big deal. We don't like, okay, kids, this is the big intense time. Like, no, it's just like, hey, is there anything you need to confess? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't listen well. And I'm like, hey, well, I'm sorry that I responded this way. Or this is what I need to confess. This can just be a part of our lives. So when we do that, then we keep in step with the Spirit and are in harmony with God. So this confessional life, I would say, needs to be lived out in community. That's where we get to James 5, 16 here. Confess your sins to one another. Now, I don't think we have a problem understanding um, where like if somebody sins against you, where you need to go and confront them and they need to confess and then you offer them forgiveness and you repent. Like that, That's pretty clear and understand it in the church for the most part. I mean, that's, in Luke 17, he says that. Um, Pay attention. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he, if he repents, forgive him. So there's this, this side of the coin. But then there's the other side of the coin. So in James 5.16, we're going to kind of look a little bit more of that passage. 
It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So in the context of the passage that we're looking at today, this is somebody who has come to the elders for prayer. So if you look at the verses earlier, it says, hey, is anybody sick? Is anybody hurting? Is anybody in need? Hey, get the elders to come together and pray for them. Um, And then, then we have this. Confess your sins to one another. And verse 15 before that, and if a sick person has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. So in this picture, the person confessing their sins isn't that they had an issue with any of the elders that are praying for them. It's just whatever sins the Holy Spirit is bringing up that need to be dealt with. It says, and then they will be healed. We're going we're to look at the benefits of this in, in, a mo- in a moment because there are many. But I mean, we see this practiced in Scripture even. In Acts 9, 19, 18, it says, Also, many of those who were believers came confessing and divulging their practices. In Hebrews 3.13, he says it like this, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. As long as it's called today, this is what we're doing together. Later on in this passage, James says this in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 5. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. Can we not do this together in community? Brothers and sisters helping brothers and sisters as we glorify Jesus. I will, I will say this, and I, I, I need to make a note about this. It's not that we confess every single sin in our lives to every single person in the church. Now, in, in, in some cases, that would actually be in, inappropriate. Um, when I was in college, there was a guy who confessed every single um, bad thought he had about every other girl in the school by posting it in the dining hall for everybody to see. Um, luckily, the first person or second person that saw it took, it took it down, because that's not the appropriate place for that to happen. But um, there are, for wise reasons, sometimes that God requires that we confess to one another, as we have seen in James here. So, why does God tell us to do this? I mean, this is, this is a reality. God wants what's best for you. So everything that he has directed us to do, how to live, the example that Jesus gave us of how to live our, life here on this, live our lives here on this earth is actually for our benefit, for our good. So there are benefits to doing things God's way. So we're going to look at a few benefits of confession. First off, we're going to look at some benefits of just confession in general. Just in general confession. And then we're going to look at the benefits of confessing to one another in community. So, God has told us to do things his way for a reason. So the first thing, confession brings forgiveness. I mean, I think that's got to be number one. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive us. That's a promise. If we confess, he will forgive. We can hold on to that tightly. 
Because he wants to forgive you. We have to confess. And then our guilt is removed. We have forgiveness of our sins, which is God will not hold our sins against us. That's what it is. Man, and that, that's good. <laughs> I don't want God to hold those sins against me. So we confess. Number two, confession brings freedom. I know that I often forget this, and I think we forget this in general, that, that sin is chains, it's bondage, it's slavery. When we confess, it brings freedom. I mean, I think that's why we call our retreat Set Free Retreat, because it's like freedom. It brings freedom. I think about David in the Psalms when he talks about when I did not confess. What did it do to him? Man, his strength was sapped from him. He says his bones were brittle. It was not good. But when he confessed, there was the freedom. Number three, confession limits discipline. Did you know that God disciplines you? Because he's a good father. And all good fathers discipline their children. But our confession limits discipline. Think about this. If you have a child who's done something wrong, and they just are stubborn and obstinate in it, what happens to the discipline? It ramps up, right? Totally. You don't want God to have to ramp up his discipline. So we confess, and it limits the discipline. Honestly, I was thinking about this this week. Thinking about Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, they, they lied, they were killed on the spot. They had a chance to confess. Peter comes to them. I mean, if you don't know the whole story, they said they sold their land and gave all the money to the church when they actually kept some for themselves. Now, what would have happened if when Peter confronted them and said, hey, did you guys actually give us all the money? What if they said, no, sorry, we, uh, we actually didn't. We kept some for ourselves. I don't think they would have been killed because there was confession. There was humility. But when there's pride, Scripture says God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to those that are humble. So it limits discipline. All right. Now to look at the benefits of confession in relationship with one another. Confessing to one another. Which is a little intimidating, honestly, in, in, in some say, senses. But there are benefits. First one, I think we see it in, in this passage specifically, it releases healing. Confession releases healing. I would say inner healing and outer healing, physical and spiritual. We see that there, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's a so that. I think we often just want to confess our sins to Jesus because then nobody has to know about it, except Jesus. But that's pride, and that's the next benefit. It destroys our pride when we confess to one another. It breaks our pride, it destroys our pride, because you can't be like, I'm so good, and like, no, I'm not. Like, it destroys our pride. Man. I'm, me, and, me and a buddy at college were so prideful, like we didn't want to confess to each other, but we knew that we should probably confess to each other. So we made up a card game. It was called Spill Fill. It was like, if you would lose the card game, then you had to confess. 
um, kind of a thing. What we found out, and what everybody finds out, is it's like, oh, you're confessing, I'm confessing. Like, eventually we just ditched the card game. We didn't need it. It's just it kind of <laughs> how we broke the ice. But uh, we just, hey, we both got issues. We're both dealing with sin in our own lives. What, why do we put the masks on? Try to look better than we are. Because this is the reality. We are all here because we are desperately wicked and we need Jesus. Amen? So why can't we just admit that? I'm desperately wicked. I need Jesus. Hey, I need you. Like, I feel like it would go so much easier if we could just take off the stupid masks and be like, hey, this is how it is. Can then, we, then could we not come alongside one another? Like, oh. Anyways. Sorry, now nah, nah, I got all, all mixed up. <clears throat> it breaks our pride. Here we go. Um... This is one of the things that I absolutely love about at, at Set Free because we, find, we do the same thing. Like you sit down in a small group of people, you only have to confess what the Spirit is leading you to and what you're comfortable to, so it's all cool. But then it's just like, oh, oh yeah, same stuff. Okay, moving on. Let's just, let's just be real here, right? So it breaks our pride, which is awesome. Confession to one another helps solidify the decision because instead of just, you know, on, on yourself, you're like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to confess this, and you know, I want, want your help with this kind of thing. You say it to somebody else, another human. It helps you solidify it. You're like, hey, I actually like put it out there. I said it. You know, it solidifies and, and, and affirms that this is the choice that I'm going with. This is the direction I'm taking. It's like, you know, instead of just saying I'm going to take a step, you're actually like, oh, I did. I did it. Took a step. Confession to one another helps solicit prayer. It helps us pray for one another. Support each other in that way. Because it's like, if you're never confessing anything, it's like, well, what do you need prayer for? So I don't want nothing. It's like, well, let's be honest and let's help each other. It brings us together in a unity uh, to pray for one another. It also, it encourages others to confess. It encourages others to confess when we confess to one another. It breaks the ice. We all know this, like, Almost anything, you need someone to break the ice, right? Usually, like, that's why we call them icebreaker games in youth group, because I got to break that ice. I don't know where that came from necessarily, but it helps, encourages others to confess. And confession to one another brings accountability. It brings accountability. We can hold each other to the confessions that we make. We can check in with one another. There's a group of guys that are set free this couple weeks ago. They were like, why don't we do this on a Sunday? Why can't I just walk up to you and be like, hey, how's it going? All right, here we go, going through it. Like, why is that not just a part of what we do? You know, to hold each other accountable. This is the iron sharpening iron kind of idea, right? We are better together. Brothers and sisters helping brothers and sisters. Being honest. And I, and I think this is something that as believers, this needs to be a continual practice. And yeah, I mean practice. That means like we're not going to be the best at it. We're going we're to practice. That means you're trying, you're attempting, you're working on it. We need to practice this communal, continual confession in our lives. I mean, personally, I often just pray and ask the Holy Spirit, like, hey, is there anything I need to confess today? What is it? Sometimes I'm surprised by what he, what he brings up. It's like, oh, I didn't even realize that. But it's so good. Because it brings us in step 
It brings us in harmony and communion with God. Because this is, I think, what happens. I know this is what's happened in my own life. Is that for some reason, I think that, you know, I've, I follow Christ, I've become a Christian, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my life to him, but my sin, I just, I gotta keep that. No, he bought and paid for you in entirety. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He says, give me your sin. Because he's the only one who can deal with it. You can't. So like we often try to hold it back. We're like, no, I can't. It's like, no. Got to let him, got to give it to Jesus. Got to give it to Jesus. He's the only one who can deal with it. We can't. I want to keep my relationship with God healthy and growing. And this is a part of that. Continual confession of the sin in my life. Because I am not going to have it all together until the day Jesus comes back and puts everything in place. I want to end by reading a couple verses from Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verse 16. Certainly you do not want a sacrifice or else I would offer it. You do not desire a burnt sacrifice. The sacrifices God desires are a humble spirit. Oh God, a humble and repentant heart you will not reject. A humble and repentant heart you will not reject. When we come before him in humility, recognizing that he is right and we are not, and he is great and he is holy, when we come before him in humility and we bring whatever we got going on, it says he will not reject us. No, he opens his arms and says, come here. Because he loves you. He wants what is best for you. He desires to have that close, intimate relationship. When I think about walking in step with the Spirit, it, it causes me to think about Adam and Eve in the garden, where it says they were hiding because they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. I'm like, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. So they must have been walking with the Lord in the garden to know what it sounded like. That's the kind of relationship that I want. That's the kind of relationship that we want to have with God is walking with him together in step. And sin gets us out of step with God and we need to confess and repent. And we need to do it as a community together. Because a humble and repentant heart Oh, Lord, you will not reject. Let's pray. Oh, God, you, you are good and kind. God, you are so good beyond my understanding. And I thank you for that. And we thank you so much for Jesus and his sacrifice that made it possible that we could come have this relationship with you, to be in relationship with you, God. And I pray that as a church, as a body, we would put the masks off, that we'd be open and honest with one another, that we would come around and support each other, that we would destroy the pride in the name of Jesus. Pray this 
for your glory and your honor in the name of Jesus. Amen.